You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. John chapter 1, the, first of all, the book of John is just an incredible book. It's all there is to it. Uh, there's so much rich doctrine in the book of John. Uh, John chapter 1, if you, it was the only chapter in the entire book of John. It's incredible. And it starts off, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, it was found in verse number 1. That's as good as it gets. Uh, verse number 14 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, incredible stuff there. So much good doctrine that we find here. But really, we find Jesus beginning to lay the foundation of the church. We see him really beginning to develop a framework here of what the church will be. We find that uh, starting in John chapter 1, verse number uh, 43. John chapter 1, verse 43. And the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Verse number 50 is awesome. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under a fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. We see Jesus beginning to, to lay the foundation of the church as he calls his apostles, as he calls the people who will walk with him for the next three and a half years. Uh, Jesus begins to do a great work. And it, first of all, I want you to see this. Jesus is always up to something. Jesus never takes a break. Jesus never takes a time off. Jesus is always doing something. And it's a matter for us to find what Jesus is doing. And, and we need to get on board with that. Jesus is never wasting time. Jesus never has us in a waiting period without doing something in us or through us. God always moves in his sovereignty. God's timeline doesn't always add up with ours. God's uh, ways don't always line up with the ways that we want things to happen, but God is always doing something. Jesus is always working. Jesus is always moving. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt here at who we call a Baptist church, Jesus Christ is at work. We saw it today. We see it every single week when people come, uh, they hear the gospel, they're saved, or they, they make decisions to live more like Jesus. They make decisions to follow Jesus in baptism or discipleship. Uh, we see that Jesus is always doing something, but Jesus is always doing his work in an unlikely way. As these two men converse, particularly verse number 46, Nathaniel said unto him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said, Come and see. You see, Nazareth wasn't necessarily known to be uh, the hotbed of uh, turning out great prophets of God. Nazareth was a small little town of a bunch of nobodies. And you would think that a great prophet would come some, from somewhere. Maybe it would come from the holy city of Jerusalem. And that would be a city that where, where somebody good would come from. Uh, that would be, would be like, uh, say for example, like a New York City for us. 
as opposed to some little poor suburb out there somewhere, some little one-stop light town like Nazareth would have been. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. And we see the great works of God that take place again and again and again throughout Scripture don't happen with big, huge fireworks explosions. It usually starts with really, really small things. I was talking with uh, some new Christians uh, this past week and uh, they were asking questions about uh, where did the judges come from and what was the judges about and when did Israel get its first king and why did Jews reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah? And we were talking about this and we were talking about how the Jews were expecting the king to come and free them from the oppression that they had, free them from their slavery to sit up on the throne of David and be their king, wear a crown and rule them. But when a kid came and was born to a couple of unwed teenagers in a horse stable, they began to look around and go, this guy's definitely not our king. Because Jesus doesn't work in the same way that you and I think that he would. He works in unlikely ways. He works in ways that we cannot fathom. He uses things and people that we can't imagine would be useful to anyone. You take a look at the people of the Bible. That the, uh, many of them were tax collectors, fishermen, You take a look at shepherds who did great things for God. Unlikely candidates, you would say, to do great work for God. Nazareth, just another city on a map somewhere that a bunch of nobodies lived. But God would do a great work through that. Where Jesus came from, the people that he used, all unlikely. We look at our story at who we call a Baptist church, unlikely story. I've told the story several times before, but I sat down with another pastor here in Hawaii before we uh, moved here, and I began to share with him the bird that God had placed on our heart to plant a church in the city of Honolulu. And he said, "Uh, your story's very moving, it's very convincing. He said, but I wouldn't do it if I were you. And I said, why would you say that? And he said, there have been 18 failed church plants in the city of Honolulu uh, in the last 30 years. And he goes, you don't need to make it number 19. Okay, (laughs) If I live to be 100, I'll never forget this. He leaned across the table and he said, better men than you have tried to start churches here and have failed miserably. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for the vote of confidence. And he said, yeah, I I just really, if I were you, I'd I'd probably go somewhere else. You know, he said, you know, I I know a guy in the Philippines is doing a great job out there. The Philippines needs churches and stuff like that. I said, what's not where God's called us to? He said, well, I just, I probably wouldn't if I were you. I said, okay, thanks. Began to talk to other folks. They said, it's too expensive. You know, you can't do it there. It's the, the real estate's too expensive. Cost of living too expensive. Don't do it. Go somewhere cheaper. Uh, but I knew that God had called us to the city. And don't go to the city. Go to somewhere where you can actually afford a home. Somewhere where you can actually afford real estate. Somewhere where you can actually have room to grow. But I knew that God had called us to the heart of the city where people were at. And that's what God called us to this, where we wound up. And we just believed that God was able. We believed that God could do things that we couldn't uh, figure out on paper. Let me just tell you this, to this day, none of this makes sense on paper, none of it whatsoever. But here we are, living by faith, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year at this point, and God's doing a great work in an unlikely way. Jesus is always involving other people in his work. Take a look at verse number 47. As Nathanael came to Jesus, he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Jesus Here's the crazy thing. When Jesus did his ministry, he could have done it by himself if he wanted to, but he chose 12 men to walk with him every single day. He involved other people in the work. You see, it's not the job of the pastor to to do all the work. It's the job of the pastor to involve other people in the work. I'm so thankful that every single person in this room here tonight is a person that God's brought to our church for a purpose because Jesus is involving you in the work. He always does. 
He always gives us jobs to do. Jesus doesn't have any substitutes that he sits on the bench and waits for it to, to get into the game. Jesus puts everybody in, and we all have a job to do. And the work that we have is greater than any one of us could do on our own. Frankly, frankly, the work that we have to do, truthfully, is bigger than even we as a church can accomplish. We live in a city of 400,000 people, 400,000. We had a good number of folks in church this morning. I didn't look at the numbers, probably 225 people in church or something like that. And for a, a five-year-old church plan in the middle of an urban city like this, I think that's pretty good. But when you compare it to 400,000 people, the majority of which don't know Christ, that's not even a drop in the bucket. That's not even a half a percent. We have so much work to do in just evangelizing our city. And we can't even begin to speak about the rest of our island, one million people on our island, the majority of which do not know Christ as Savior. And that's where this whole thing's headed, but we're not even beginning to get started yet. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I said, if Huicala is a marathon race, we haven't even made it to mile marker one yet as a church. Well, we're five years in, but I think we've probably gotten our, our shoes laced up. We've ran a couple of laps. We're stretching out our legs a little bit, and we're getting ready to hear the, the gun go off to get started. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God wants to do here in this city. And I'm not talking about a large mega church where uh, thousands and thousands of people come. I'm talking about a massive spiritual impact that changes this city and this island. Massive. That's where God wants us to go. That's what God wants us to do. And we're seeing that just on a small scale so far. We've seen dozens of people accept Christ as Savior here. We've seen close to 100 people uh, baptized here. We've seen over 200 people go through discipleship. It's, it's incredible what God's done in the last five years, but folks, we have not even begun to get started yet. We cannot, this is not the place to step back and go, oh, wow, God's been really good. I think we're just kind of hang on until Jesus comes at this point. Oh, no, 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 no. We continue to press forward because there's more work to do. There's more people that need to know Jesus. I mean, just the number of folks that came this morning that were first-time guests, we have so much follow-up work to do over the next couple of weeks just the guests that came this morning. Next week, we're praying for dozens of first-time guests, and there's gonna be more follow-up and checking in with people and finding out where they're at in their walk with Christ. It has to be done, and we all have to make sure that we're fully engaged to do the work together. Here's a crazy thing about Jesus and his work. He could do it all himself, but he doesn't want to. He wants to involve us in the work. Let me try to explain this the best that I can without hurting your feelings. Jesus doesn't need you to accomplish the work. He's all powerful. Jesus doesn't need me to do what he wants to do. He's all powerful. He could do all this without any of us here tonight. But he chooses to use us because he knows what's best for us. He knows that when we can be involved in his work and see him move in a greater way, it, it strengthens our faith and brings us joy and helps us to find where the good stuff in life is located. And that's found in serving Jesus with our lives. He wants you to be involved. He doesn't need you, but he wants you to be involved. Jesus didn't need 12 apostles. He could have done a lot more work probably by himself. But he chose 12 apostles because he wanted to use them to accomplish his work. Next, as our faith grows, we'll see greater things than these. It's amazing to me as I read this story. I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. Nathaniel is walking up, and Jesus says, Oh, finally, an Israelite in whom's no guile. 
And Nathanael goes, how do you know me? And he goes, I saw you sitting over the fig tree over there. And look at verse 49. Nathanael answers to him, Rabbi, teacher, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. You're the Messiah. And Jesus goes, because I saw you sitting under a fig tree? You think that I'm the king of Israel because I saw you sitting under a fig tree? That's all it takes to impress you. And here's the crazy thing. When our faith is very, very small, we're impressed by small things. Whoa, that was awesome. Oh, that was amazing. You know, we had a, a, a bill that needed to get paid and it was $75 and we didn't have it. And $80 check came in the mail out of nowhere. That's so huge. That's huge, let me tell you. And then faith is encouraged by things like that. But God wants to do bigger things. God wants to change eternity through your life, not just pay your bills this month. Jesus wants you to bring people with you along on your spiritual journey. Not just, you know, get your day off on Friday that you're praying for. I'm talking about big things. And Jesus says, Nathaniel, you haven't even begun to see the things that you're gonna see. You th you're impressed by the fact that I saw you sitting under a tree? Huh, you haven't seen anything yet. And I believe for us who we call him. God's saying to us, oh, you saw what I did in the first five years? Huh, you haven't seen anything yet. Strap in because it's getting ready to get good. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I believe the greatest days of who we call are still ahead. I don't believe that we've peaked at this point and it's just kind of hang on and hope that we can maintain. No, 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 no. We're just beginning to see what God wants to do in and through his church. I, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But it requires all of us to have a measure of faith. It requires all of us to do our job. It requires all of us to be engaged because church is a team. Our church is a family. And Jesus wants to do more. I believe we're going to see great things next Sunday. I believe we're going to see great things the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that. You see, sometimes I've been in churches before where it's all about the big day. You know, and after it's all over, it's like, whoo, man, breathe a sigh of relief and go on with life. No, no, no. It's not about a big day. It's about every day. It's not about having a big Sunday. It's about having a big Monday, a big Tuesday, a big Wednesday, a big Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and another big Sunday. It's about every single day walking with Jesus. It's not about, and folks, again, if you get the idea that after open house, it's all over, we can breathe a sigh of relief and stop sharing our faith and stop inviting coworkers to, to church and stop uh, loving on people and uh, you know asking people to sit with us and stuff like that. Hey, you missed the point. This is just the way that we are. This is what we do. And open houses are one time that everybody can say, I'm not gonna miss this Sunday and I'm gonna do everything I can to get people here to hear about Jesus. But we're gonna keep doing that every other Sunday too as well. And I believe you and I at the end of our days, some of you will move on, the military will move you on or a job move back to the mainland or family move or something like that and you'll, you'll move on to your next church. But I hope you always remember what God did in your heart here because I know what he's done in my heart here. I hope you always remember that we were a part of something that's great. It was greater than ourselves. I truly believe, and this might sound like kind of a far-fetched statement to make, but I'm gonna say it anyways. I truly believe that we're doing things today that we're gonna tell our grandkids about one day. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt that we'll be able to talk about the back in the day we were a part of a church plant that probably shouldn't have made it, but it made it anyways, and God did something great in us and through us. And we saw a lot of spiritual fruit from it. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
I remember taking the photo of our charter members that day and looking and going, man, we're part of something big. <laughs> Truth be told, there were probably, uh, there was, you know, 25 people in the picture probably, and there's probably another 10 people sitting in the auditorium. There's probably 35, 40 people there that day probably. But I remember what God had put in my heart that day. We're a part of something big. God's getting ready to do something. I, I know it, I feel it. And God has, he's done it. But it's not over yet. We're gonna continue, we're gonna push forward by faith, trusting God that he's not done yet. That in this city of 400,000 people, there's still a few more out there that he wants to save. In this city of 400,000 people, that there's people that are still looking for a place to settle, to put their spiritual roots down, and this could be the place, and we're gonna go and find them, not just hope that they come to us. Because we're gonna see greater things. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I know that you do too. I have no desire to be a part of a church that doesn't want to grow spiritually, no desire to be a part of something that doesn't want to move forward for the cause of Christ. No desire to be a part of something that doesn't want to see people uh, grow in their faith and find Jesus. That's what it's all about, folks. Hey, there's better places you should go on a Sunday morning and probably a Sunday evening and be entertained. There's probably be other places with flashier programs or uh, fancier kids' ministries or something like that. I'm not interested in that. I hope you're not either. I want to see God move. And I want, him, want it to start with me. So that's our prayer tonight. We're gonna split up in just a moment for a time of prayer for our open house and really just pray that God would move in our church in a way that only he can. But I'm asking it to start with me. I'm asking God this week to get me so right with him that there's nothing that would hinder his blessings in my life, nothing that would hinder his blessings on our church family. I'm asking God to use me in the next seven days to find the people that are looking for hope to find the people that are looking for truth, that are looking for a home to belong to. I'm asking God in the next seven days to prepare me for what he's gonna do seven days from now. And I'm gonna ask you to, to pray the same. And I truly believe if we do that, seven days from now, we'll be celebrating at the great victory that God's brought and what he continues to do in our midst. And I don't know about you, but I wanna see greater things. I wanna see God move in a way that I've never seen before. I was talking with one of our men last night and I said, I've always wanted my kids to be a part of a church where their faith was strengthened and where they could grow spiritually. And I'm, I'm thankful that my kids are in that place. Not because of me, but because of the people of this church. I'm thankful that, that my boys can go grab lunch with some other men of God in our church. They can work long, alongside at a work day with other men of God that will strengthen their faith. That helps me as a dad. I want my kids to be around and I want my kids to grow but I wanna do that for other people too. I wanna to be that spiritual influence on other people that can uh, maybe rub off a little bit of what God's taught me on them and pass down my faith to them. Greater things. Jesus says, hey, five years, that's good. But we're looking for the long term. I hope 50 years from now, who we call a Baptist church still exists and is still preaching the gospel and people are still being saved, baptized, and discipled 50 years from now. I'll be probably too old to see it, uh, but if I'll still be alive by then, I don't know. But I'm hoping that that's the case. I hope who we call will always be a lighthouse of the gospel here in this city forever until the day that Jesus returns. But it's not gonna happen if we don't do our part. So I would encourage you to do your part this week. Let's trust God for greater things.